Hello and welcome to another episode of the Sports Travel Podcast, where we interview leaders from throughout the sports event industry. This is Matt Traub, Managing Editor of Sports Travel, and our guest today is Vlad Marinescu, Director General of the International Judo Federation and President of the International Esports Federation. But before we begin, first a word from our sponsor. This episode of the Sports Travel Podcast is being sponsored by the Esports Travel Summit, the world's largest gathering of esport tournament and video game event organizers, and the only event focused on the travel side of the esports industry. Presented by Sports Travel and hosted by Destination Toronto, the 2023 Esports Travel Summit will be held July 12th through the 14th, 2023 in Toronto. The biggest brands in the esports world will attend the event, and their representatives are featured as presenters. For more details on everything planned, please visit esportstravelsummit.com. And now, on to the conversation. One of two international federations in the esports world, the IESF's mission is to further esports on a global scale. With 130 member national federations, IESF President Vladimir Mescu joined us to discuss esports on a global level, the international outlook for the industry, esports at the grassroots level around the world compared to the United States, the tightening of financial backing within the professional esports space, esports' possible place in the Olympic landscape, and much more. We hope you enjoy the conversation. Vlad Marinescu, welcome to the Sports Travel Podcast. Esports at the highest level in the United States has been undergoing a major reevaluation and consolidation this year. How would you describe the health of esports at a global level right now, whether it's growing, shrinking, or staying the course? Matt, first of all, thank you so much for the uh, invitation. It's a, an honor and a privilege and a pleasure to share a little time with you. And of course, to talk about esports, which is has been in the highlight of all the sports movement for the past period, especially after the corona pandemic, the COVID pandemic did result in esports being the focal point of a lot of different organizations that before didn't even know what it stood for or what it actually meant. Of course, the numbers don't lie. So with, with esports, what's interesting is that we have direct access to information that tells us regarding viewership levels, server connections, prizes paid. It's it's more clear than it is in traditional linear media. And all the numbers are showing huge increases. Um, nothing has slowed down. And as we see, the trend in esports is that the population is growing. So we had the World Championship in December in Bali. We surpassed every number before in history, prize money 10 times more than the year before, giving half a million dollars of prize money to the winners. And this year, we've surpassed all the numbers of that last year at this particular moment before we're even close to the continental stage and the final stage. So to, sorry to be so long-winded to answer your questions. The numbers are, are expanding. They're growing. Uh, there's more attention, understanding, and there's more acceptance from the parents as well as well as the global sporting community to understand that esports is here and will continue to be appreciated and will continue to grow. How would you describe the IESF's growth last year and in the first part of 2023 so far? And what do you believe the growth could look like by year's end? I want to start one year before that. I can tell you that we are rapidly expanding the growth, not only in terms of financials, but also in terms of national federations. Two years ago at the World Championship, we had 60, 60 countries present. Last year, we beat 100. And this year, we're at the moment around 130 national federations that are sending their national teams that have underwent already the national qualifying stage. We've had more than 3 million people that have tried to play to find a spot in the World Championship. 
it's the most incredible result to see how fast the organization is growing in the sense that we have a board that started with six people. Now we're 20 people. We have a professional general secretary with a staff of 22 people in Macedonia, as well as additional staff in Korea, which are all time fully dedicated employees to the organization who are passionate esports people, hybrid combination with people from traditional sport and business people. This growth will continue, although <laughs> to tell you honestly, it's very hard to go from a 10x growth to another 10x growth. So realistically speaking, of course, we did the 10x growth last year, and I'm expecting and hoping to do another 5x growth. Of course, this is just more ego and determination than anything else. I think that we have the right team. We have the right environment. And our community of esports people is just fun, cool people that love music and life and like to consume the things that are inside of their cultural, let's say, style. The IESF is one of two international federations in the world of esports. Is that sustainable in the long term? And what communication, if any, do you have with the other international federation or its affiliated members? I can tell you that the IESF is the federation that has 130 plus national federations and i have been elected president by the general assembly that took place we're now organizing the 15th world championship we were together with the oca when in incheon the first time esports came on the scene and organized the incheon asian games esports isf is a democratic transparent member-driven organization founded in 2008 i cannot comment about the other international federation, but I can tell you that in our strategic plan, personally, myself, I see only a total unity. The confusion that's generated at all levels by having two bodies that claim to be international federations does more harm than good. All of the national federations that are in the countries, I have advised to join both organizations when the question was put to me. Because we're esports, we're global, we're free, we're we're fun, we're dynamic. There's no authoritative legislation that's forcing or obliging people to make a choice in a certain way. I can promise you that by the end of this year, we will have a unity in the esports, meaning that there will be only one world federation. How often do you, you know, in terms of international esports events, how often do you travel to various events, whether through the IESF or just other events that you're interested in? And what is the response you see in different areas of the world to esports overall? I think that esports is a beautiful joining language, a common language between people of all kinds of backgrounds and orients and colors and sizes and genders. I think that sport in general is the ultimate way to communicate and break borders, to put people together under the terms of unity, solidarity, friendship, and peace, and to compete against one each other with respect and values. Traveling around the world, I've had the, I don't want to say privilege, but I've had the opportunity and, and the good luck to be able to experience and not only to travel, but to organize mega events around the world, meaning an actual exchange with a domestic population or a local culture, whether it be last week, the Doha World Championship of Judo, or whether it be the Beijing Olympic Games, my first Olympic Games in 2008. Or the World Combat Games when I was Director General of Sport Accord and we did 15 sports, 5,000 athletes in two weeks. Esports is no different. The thing about esports that's particular that I, I can, can no longer refrain from stressing is that when we compete in esports, our physical self is irrelevant. 
in the sense that, of course, not physically competent, irrelevant, because you need to be healthy and we promote health. And that's my main objective is to promote the health and to promote movement and nutrition and social conclusion or inclusion throughout the community. What I mean is we leave our demographic, we leave our height, our weight, our gender, our nationality, our beliefs, and we enter into the digital realm where we can equally participate against the person who can be completely different than us on a level playing field. That's something that I find very unique and very beautiful, the fact that your physical self does not relate to your performance. Meaning that if you're not born two meters plus tall or whatever size you are, you're not going to play in the NBA probably. Or you'll have more difficulty to get there. But in the sense that in esports, everyone has a chance. We're completely inclusive across all demographics and across all physicalities or cultural backgrounds. That's what I think is beautiful about esports. What does esports look like at the grassroots level around the world compared to the United States? And following up on what you were saying, the fact that esports can be in many ways a great equalizer among potential competitors, do you think that maybe increases the attraction on the grassroots level for for young kids, for high school kids before they get into college to be able to pursue this compared to a basketball or a football or a baseball or anything else? I don't think it's exclusive. I think that traditional sport and esports are complementing each other as in yin and yang. I truly believe that to be a successful human and to be a positive driving force behind the humanity, we need to have both physical and digital educations. Grassroots esports, for me, is to gain a competency with technology. Technology is being used today as we see in our daily lives more and more. We're communicating today while I'm sitting in Budapest, Hungary, at home, and you're in the United States, more than 5,000 miles away from one another, yet we can see each other and communicate. Technology will only have a more important role in the future and the future generations. And esports develops the mind and develops the cognitive necessities for competing in the jobs of tomorrow. That's what the ultimate role of sport is, is to prepare people to be better in life and to have a better chance at being successful in life. The grassroots development for me is purely on a plate of requiring to develop people mentally using technology and to socialize digitally, competitively in various genres of games, while at the same time, a necessary component that we're pushing is fitness, physical fitness participation in sport. And just a real fast, because the answer is getting way too long, the the Fit Gamer, which is the company that prepares gamers, it's been proven that if you want to be successful in esports, your physical body must be sound. And Fit Gamer is working with us together at the moment. We just concluded a partnership agreement following the last year's world championship when every morning they had a training, one day yoga, one day running, one day stretching, one day meditation that we want to push through all the influencers to all the grassroots esports to all the kids. Responsible gaming is esports. And it's our duty and objective and requirement if we want to have a good tomorrow to endow the young generations with physical sport to complement their esport habits. You mentioned that this year you're going to have the world championships in Romania. How did you come to the decision of that country hosting the event? And what did the bid evaluation process look like on an international level in determining 
apparent after you know x number of countries and cities show interest how you decided and settled on having romania be this year's host you mentioned last year having been in bali indonesia first of all it's a thank you for the question i think that host cities share a unique culture with the participants of a world championship and the experience that our national federations and their national teams are receiving will revibrate throughout the different communities around the world will bring the world closer together we awarded bali and romania in one go because first of all we wanted to have two different continents so the board members took that into consideration after their presentations in the general assembly as of course is the process of many different international federations the idea was not to stay in asia but to come to europe and next year to move the continent again in order to give the richness of the culture to the esports community showing them the different areas of the world however i'm happy to tell you that the bids themselves were stellar and together with the local organizing team the mayor of yash also the deputy mayor and the whole loc team i believe we will deliver an event that all of the children of the world are going to watch and enjoy with savor and that all of the professional esports teams are going to compete at the highest level with very very easy access and all facilities required plus sport every morning for the event to reach the the new the new levels of viewership around the world the process at the moment is very very difficult in the sense that we have lots of interest in the event the numbers are incredible we had at last year's event 650,000 concurrent viewers at one moment peak concurrent viewers and more than 3.4 million hours watched i feel silly when i say these numbers but they're not numbers that i'm saying because they're numbers that are researched by other entities and it comes back to what we were talking about when a city wants to make a promotion of their cities of their values to the public with esports they reach a young demographic and they reach technology they can attract to their country's technology that wants to build bases make games create companies and so on technology and esports are united and our job is to deliver the local culture and the the culture of the community with music and festivals and fun to really celebrate esports and the national teams at the same time while helping to send a message to all the followers around the world of unity peace friendship and health in the united states there's been plenty of attention placed on a tightening of financial backing within the professional esports space how closely has the iesf been following those developments and what could come out of that I can't comment exactly on the professional developments because I'm in charge of the International Federation which is a non-for-profit organization with the job of protecting the athletes and being elected again by the national federations it's my duty to enforce the global strategy that they all have in the mind regarding the business aspect of professional teams I think that's closely related to the publishers themselves the publishers are the oxygen in our esports universe without them we would not be able to survive we respect them and we work with them since 2008 there needs to be from a business point of view discussion around finding the sustainability of the ecosystem the sustainability of how to interact with the professional teams the professional players the games themselves and their mega events and their huge prize pools and how everybody in the ecosystem can benefit from the activity of promoting esports because the activity of promoting esports does generate interest understanding and huge financial revenues for ip holders who are creating the various games by expanding the product life cycle 
of such games. And as a community, I believe that we all complement each other and we all support each other and ensure that our respective inclusion or addition to this ecosystem can be positive, specifically for the gamers and for the people that are involved in esports. To, to finish this, this idea, we have the World Esports Summit, the Wii Summit in Busan later this year. And last year also, we had their representatives of esports from the IOC, from the biggest gaming providers and publishers, the biggest professional teams. We have there united in the World Esports Summit because we are a neutral and non-for-profit organization that's created by and organized by national federations. We have there everyone. And the target for this year's discussion is sustainability and finding out how in this ecosystem we can all be united, understand our demands, our wants, as well as our projections for the future, and to work together for a bright, sustainable, positive esports community that's united. One of your other roles in sport is Director General of the International Judo Federation. While judo is not part of this year's Olympic esports series, that it's expanded this year to nearly a dozen titles is interesting. What place do you think esports can have in the Olympic landscape? First, with judo, I can tell you, judo made me. I started working in judo in 2003. I have been involved in the Olympic movement since 2007, organizing Beijing, the first Olympic Games for judo. I have been there with full dedication and passion. And all the lessons that I have learned and all the community that I have assimilated and I respect bring me to the belief that we need to support esports and we need to give esports the recognition that it deserves as the sport of the future, inflicting it with the sport values and the, the Olympic values, which leads me to be very happy about the fact of the Olympic Esports Week. I think that including there the esport of international federations that can be organized by international federations helps to develop and revolutionize and modernize international federations for being able to attract the youth to their sport and to promote their sport to a young community that can benefit from the physical practicing of such sports. With judo and esports, we have Minecraft, we have two different maps, Budokan, Kodokan, more than 3 million unique downloads of kids learning the judo values by playing Minecraft, the Budokan or the Kodokan. That being said, I think it's important that something we've been speaking about for a long time be understood. I truly believe that every international federation has to manage their particular esport because they have the community, they have the understanding of the game, they have uh, world championship circuits and all the tools required to promote and to create a safe and positive environment for the esports athletes in their sport. But we must understand that esports isn't about playing a game that's a sports genre game. Esports is the activity of competing against another person in a digital format, and that is done across a lot of different games. We are open and happy always, and have been included also inside of the Darius Commissions and the Esports Liaison Group from the beginning of it being made by the IOC. And I believe that they are very successful in their contact with esports, and I am ready and we are ready always to support them for 
promoting the Olympic values to all the kids that do esports in the world. One of the biggest stories in sport this year has been the IOC's position on Russian and Belarusian athletes competing internationally. What, if any, impact does that have on esports competitors from those countries when it comes to the IESF? And because obviously people say sports and politics often do uh, mix. So does that is that the same when it comes to esports and political, geopolitical issues? With esports, it's very simple. I'm elected by our member national federations, and my job is to enforce their will and their direction. In esports, there's no room for politics. We work according to the demands of our national federations. After the situation had come to light, the first thing that we did in our board was to call an extraordinary general meeting of all the members to allow 15 minutes to Russia, Belarusia, and Ukraine to present, and to open the floor to all national federations for five-minute interventions regarding anything they thought was valid or important for all the member national federations to vote on. The result of the vote was a choice to decide between Russia and Belarus participating in a full standard, Russia and Belarus participating underneath the flag of the National Russian Esport Federation, the same under the flag of the IESF, or to block and ban Russia and Belarusian athletes completely. More than 69% have voted to allow them to compete. Sport is not politics. We implemented that decision in the World Championship in Bali. We had the teams present and competed and almost even won CSGO as independent athletes that are not political, that are people who play games professionally. They have been training for this a long time. And we must be neutral and open, enforcing and promoting that the bridge to the peace and the unity has to be sport with no political targets or requirements or agendas. Last question for you, Vlad. Grade yourself as an esports competitor and what is your favorite game to play? So I'm not of the habit to grade myself, but I can tell you that we play every year as in the, the board of our organization. We play a game against each other in teams to the surprise of, of course, our friends that were watching because we played on main stage. We played CSGO and I was the first one in our team. <laughs> now, notwithstanding that I'm sure that any one of our actual athletes would destroy me completely at any type of game, not only because I don't have the time nowadays to really enjoy how I did back in the day, but I can tell you that when I was in high school, I mean, that's what it was. We were getting together in land parties. The monitor weighed more than my house weighs nowadays. We carry our monitors and our screens on a Friday night to the someone's house whose parents would allow us. And we play games until, you know, Sunday night constantly together. I know the culture. I've been part of it. I've done professional sports. I'm seven times American champion at karate. I believe the esports and sports need to work together for a positive humanity. The world championship of, of esports is the pinnacle event where all the professional athletes can come out of their professional teams and represent their countries. There's something beautiful about representing your country underneath the rules of peace and friendship and unity in the world championships to compete for prize money and to compete for that championship title of world champion. And I'm so happy that we can apply personally all the lessons that I've had from traditional sport, from judo, from the Olympics, from my, my sporting career as, as a martial artist to esports and to help guide this direction alongside a board that is just incredible as well as, of course, the national federations that are doing their job on site. 
in their countries every day and have been for a long time. All right. Well, Vlad, I appreciate your time and thank you. And uh, coming live, uh, coming uh, semi-live from Budapest, Hungary, thank you for joining us today on the Sports Travel Podcast. It's a pleasure, Matt. Uh, thank you so much. Looking forward to seeing you very soon in Ontario, Toronto, Ontario, yes. Toronto. In Toronto for the Esports Travel Summit. Toronto. We'll be there. And we look forward to inviting you, of course, also to the eSport, to the WE Summit, the World Esports Summit. Sounds great, my friend. Talk to you soon. Thank you, Matt. This has been another edition of the Sports Travel Podcast. Thanks for listening and be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast on all your favorite platforms, including iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Past episodes are also available at sportstravelmagazine.com, which features breaking news and in-depth features on stories related to the sports event industry. Be sure to visit us daily at sportstravelmagazine.com, at Sports Travel on Twitter and Instagram, and at Sports Travel Magazine on Facebook and LinkedIn. Until then, this is Matt Trout for Sports Travel, and thanks for listening.